0: Of talking movies, I'm one of your co-hosts, Rod Sani.
1: I'm your other co-host, Sam.
0: Thank you for joining us. And what we'll be doing here today on the podcast, we'll be opening up with some news, I'm a little bit slower of a news week as opposed to the previous episodes that we've had. Uh, I feel like in the pandemic, the news has really picked up its pace, but this week that was not the case. Um, and then we'll dive into some reviews. Later in the episode, we have a couple of old sort of throwback reviews and then we'll have a couple of overlapping new reviews as well as the Mandalorian season two, episode two. Um, but I think probably the biggest story of the week. Um, maybe some people saw this coming. Maybe some people didn't. It was kind of up in the air, I guess, what the status of you know, this project as a whole is going to be the creative team behind it is... <laughs> More than one person, the creative team behind this project has kind of had some backlash in recent times. Um, but we found out this week via Johnny Depp's Instagram, he announced that he's going to be uh, leaving the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Uh, he's been requested to leave the franchise via Warner Brothers. Um, in the statement, you know, this is obviously coming off the um, the heels of he had a recent sort of trial in the UK, um, based on what uh, a certain outlet said about him and uh, called him a wife beater. Um, they found the court was unable to find that to be false, I guess was the overall ruling, but this sort of in a long, ongoing um, back and forth between himself. Uh, And his ex Amber Heard, who is also sort of in the public eye, obviously, as a celebrity and actress. Um, But, you know, this coming on the heels of this announcement, Warner Brothers made the official move to say, hey, Johnny Depp, I think you need to step away from this project. Uh, Fantastic Beasts is already under production. So um, I guess it's also important to say that he played Grindelwald in the at the end of the first movie. Not really a spoiler, I think, at this point and in the second movie as well. But yeah. He's, he's been kicked out of this project basically uh, after this ongoing back and forth. Something that's still ongoing actually, it's not even over this back and forth between himself and Amber Heard, this is just one, development recently um what are your thoughts on this because this is a pretty complicated subject
1: yeah i mean as if uh, full what's it called A uh, full metal <laughs> <laughs> fantastic <laughs> beast 3 wasn't messy enough already because of what happened in fantastic beast 2 and how you know convoluted that plot line was you already mentioned the fact that uh there's also a lot of shenanigans going on behind the scenes with like you know mentioning JK Rowling and you know Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, it's I don't think it's such a huge deal because of the fact that even before the second movie came out, people were like saying, you know what, just keep Colin Farrell on. He's he was a much better villain in the first movie. We prefer him over Johnny Depp. And you know, Johnny Depp didn't have much screen time in Fantastic Beasts too. So I don't think it's a huge deal. Um the thing is is this that the fact that it's kind of if Warner Brothers was the one that told um Johnny Depp to like just step away from the role and just detach himself from the Harry Potter franchise as a whole, they should probably do the same thing with Amber Heard because she does have her own controversy I, I know, with Johnny Depp. And, you know, if they don't do it with her in and, and the, the way that they did it with Johnny Depp, it just, it kind of comes off as I don't know. I, hypocritical, I guess.
0: I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Sam, because you know Johnny Depp has had this sort of thing hanging over his head for quite a bit of time. And while I think it's appropriate for people to be sort of upset with the way that he, you know, he treated his ex like he did abuse her, I think that's pretty clear from the evidence that we have. Um, that being said, Amber Heard did sort of, you know, go toe to toe with him, and you know, from what he said, she was just as abusive towards him as he was of her. A- and I don't. It's weird because like you know, this is obviously this was sort of this became big, I think, sort of at the forefront of the Me Too movement. And while that was pretty understandable. And, you know, obviously, I should you know, it's quite clear that I'm not a woman. I, I don't think I can quite understand the sort of perspective that Amber Heard might be coming from in this situation. But but if if Johnny Depp is also coming forward with certain allegations and whatnot, it does need to be handled in an equal manner and Amber Heard is, is coming back for like the Snyder Cut reshoots and whatnot. So she's in the WB universe with the DC movies. And if WB, like you said, kicked Johnny Depp off of this project then I think they need to do the same thing with Amber Heard um that being said I I don't feel like this situation is grounds for quote-unquote canceling anybody I think this right. is just a bad relationship these two were just in a toxic relationship where they fought they they hit each other whatever it may be they threw stuff at each mm-hmm. other um right. it was just a toxic relationship and it's like so many people in the world have that thing it's not like you shouldn't be canceling one side or the other you shouldn't be kicking one person off their jobs and not kicking the other person off their jobs I don't think either of these people should be if I'm being completely honest I don't think either of these people should be kicked off their jobs I think they both are just sort of going through something that's very very difficult and very complex and it was something that it's more or less a private manner that we we ourselves don't really need to get ourselves into I understand that they're celebrities they're in the public eye so when this thing goes to court it's going to become public news but it's not really our business and it just feels like something that's being brought into the public and handled In a way that it shouldn't be. It feels like it's something that should be resolved between the two of them, and shouldn't really bleed into their Hollywood work.
1: Yeah, and we're not a gossip podcast. We're not going to (laughs) go and deeper and speculate on what their relationship is like. But I want to ask you a couple of questions. One of them easier, one of them harder. The first easy question is the fact that who do you want to come back as Grindelwald? Mm -hmm. And you know, because my thinking is the fact that you know you should just bring Colin Farrell back and just put in the the writing say that like, oh, the Apologies Potion or whatever spell he used to transform Mm -hmm. himself like kind of backfired and it has a permanent effect on him now and i looks like colin farrell
0: sure um <laughs> i i don't actually know if i need colin farrell back in this role i think they should go down the route of a new actor um hmm. preferably somebody who is british um i think that that would sort of lend uh, and colin farrell is irish so you know he's close i guess but like you know not the <laughs> neighboring country yeah he's a neighboring country it's part of the uk whatever um but yeah not quite the same thing and, and you know that all being said i i liked johnny depp in the role of grindelwald i thought he was actually very very good in these movies so for me to t- like recast him that that's a pretty difficult thing to do because i thought like you you did make the point that he was limited in terms of screen time and i agree with that point um but i liked him in the stuff that he was in i guess if they're gonna go down like a different route somebody who i've wanted to see more of um especially in villainous roles because we haven't quite seen them in a lot of villainous roles. but i think like he's a multi-time oscar nominee he's an oscar winner and that's colin firth um i think he's just Hmm. one of these sort of like big time British actors that you can easily sort of slot into the Harry Potter franchise to fill this role um, he might be quite a, like a little bit too old but I, I like because I, Johnny Depp and him are actually not that far of an age but he looks a little bit older than Johnny Depp does Johnny Depp kind of looked closer to Jude Law's age but I guess like I'm thinking more in line with like who is somebody who can play well off Jude Law as well, because obviously Jude Law is playing young uh, Dumbledore. This franchise is supposedly going to explore the relationship between Grind- Grindelwald and Dumbledore later down the road. So you need somebody who can play off of Jude Law and Colin Firth is one of these actors that I feel like can just kind of mold into any sort of character that you put him into. And that's why I thought he'd be a good fit for this. But what, what are you, are you thinking? Cause you've said Colin Farrell a few times. Are you thinking he just might come back?
1: Yeah, I mean that's what I've been seeing online, and I've been seeing petitions. Oh, just going back to the uh, Amber Heard thing, I've been seeing petitions online for her, to, like you know, relieve be, or be relieved of the role of Queen Mira from Aquaman. But um, for yeah, I just really enjoyed Colin. I think he did it. He was like one of the shining spots for the first one. I don't know. You, don't, you know, you don't have a really great relationship with the first Fantastic Beast movie. I don't have a great relationship with the second one, so I think that's where <laughs> our, our opinions differ a bit. Sure. But, but the, the other question I wanted to ask you was, you know you've been reading the the Oscar Isaac, Jake Gyllenhaal uh, Godfather biopic that's going to come mm-hmm. out soon. Mm-hmm. And you did mention to me in our DMs that, you know, you were like asking, who would you, who would you, who would you cast for this? Who would you cast for that? I gave you my couple of, um, you know, recommendations, but then you said, you know, I think that Johnny Depp could actually be a really good pick for Brando as the Godfather in the Godfather biopic. I don't know if you wanted to expand on that a bit because of what's happened here.
0: I, I was going to mention that later <laughs> on the episode when I talked about <laughs> it in the reviews, but I can I'll go a little bit deeper into that later on in the episode, sure, but I sure, won't really mention sure. yeah. This conversation that you and I had was before this whole entire the, the whole falling out happened. And yeah, I said to you I was like it there's Hardy. No, no
1: this was this was actually during. Oh, no, no, Oh the, sorry,
0: yeah, it was the day the article came out, I think. Yes, so, yes. Official yes. ruling was made or whatever but um I hadn't actually seen the news because I think I, I just wasn't keeping up with it at that point and you sent me the article that it was like official official I knew it was sort of circling and that he was in the sort of court trial um but yeah I told you I said Depp or Hardy those the only two people that can play Brando and you you brought that up to me and you know again like I, I've said what I what I think about this whole entire situation I don't think either of these two people should be quote-unquote canceled like I said before I think it was just a toxic relationship but I don't think Johnny Depp is going to be in the running for major roles especially not for Marlon Brando in the near future so I'll I'll just say that but uh yeah I I mean like you know in terms of Fantastic Beasts any interest in this third project because you you've been I think more on the negative side as a whole with both of these movies than I have been because I was a little bit more positive on, on on the second one I think
1: I would say yes just because of the fact that Steve cloves is coming back for the third one right. I think that's the only reason why I'd be more optimistic for the third one
0: sure that's a good point um and we actually don't even know when this is coming out right I think supposedly <laughs> it's at the end of 2021 November 2021 but now if they've begun production they need to reshoot johnny depp scenes that's going to extend this all things considered right maybe it'll be like another they're
1: going to they do an audition process they got yeah. to screen the actors and all that and, you know I casting calls
0: i wonder if they're further along in terms of who they want because like relieving johnny depp like you would think that they have a couple names in mind that they want to bring into the room right
1: maybe who knows i really yeah. have no idea i, can't, I couldn't say <laughs>
0: this is a pretty complex thing and yeah like you and i are we're not gossipers we're not sort of experts on this um we're not in the room in these trials like there's so much going on here that we don't know that the public doesn't know and i feel like you know at the end of the day if this is the move that warner brothers felt was appropriate to make um if they know a little bit more information or whatever it may be right right you know go go and make that move i i don't. I'm. I'm not saying that Warner Brothers is in the wrong here. I, I think that they're certainly justified in the decision making. I'm just giving my own perspective on it. So. Yeah.
1: I mean, we don't know the situation as Raj just said. We're not going to speculate. All we know is the headlines and our own, you know, thoughts on the franchise. It's
0: so <laughs> tough. It, it's really tough to, to deal with these things, but. um the other, I guess we're talking about the other actor that I wanted to play, Brando, here. Um, we got more <laughs> casting news. Pretty all star cast here for uh, the adaptation of the things they carried. um Did you read this book in middle school or high school? Because I, I know I read this in school at some point, or I was told to read this book at some point. I don't know if I actually did. Um, I don't know if you did or not.
1: Uh, no, I don't even recall. I don't even know what the title of this, what this book is about. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. It's, it's the things they carried, uh, Tim O'Brien. I think I read in like eighth grade history class or something like that. It's a, it's a Vietnam war movie. Um, I don't, I, like I said, I was told to read it. I don't think I actually read it. Cause I don't really remember anything about it. Um, has something to do with Vietnam war. Um, this is, but the, the cast, the kind of headline story of this entire thing, Tom Hardy, Pete Davidson, Bill Skarsgård, uh, Stephen James, Ty Sheridan, Ashton Sanders, Moises Arias, and Angus Cloud um, are all joining the class or cast of this movie. Um, pretty, pretty, big sort of move here. Um, A lot of up-and-comers, a lot of young stars, but then you have some big hitters like Tom Hardy and Bill Skarsgård, who are a little bit sort of on the older, more quote-unquote veteran side of acting. Um, Directed by Rupert Sanders, who's best known, I think, for directing Snow White and the Huntsman, but he has directed a few other things as well. It's being written by Oscar uh, nominee Scott B. Smith, who wrote A Simple Plan, and it's on the showrunning team of Westworld alongside Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. Um, You know, it's a war project. War Projects usually do well with critics, with the Academy um, with a name like Tom Hardy who's already been in multiple war projects between uh, Band of Brothers and, and Dunkirk obviously, but then you're bringing in sort of an eclectic group here, like Pete Davidson obviously being the comedy actor that he is, Bill Skarsgård being Pennywise, uh, Stephen James and Ashton Sanders being two sort of up-and-comers as well, Angus Cloud from Euphoria like this is a really strange but cool mix of actors in my personal opinion, what, what are you feeling on this?
1: Yeah, same thing, I mean Ashton Sanders is mostly known for his independent works. Moses Arias, for most, most people know him from Hannah Montana. He's, oh, that's he's, right. I forgot about him. <laughs> he's shedded of that role completely because he's kind of like, you know, I don't know, like really fashion-centric, I guess. Yeah. He's very weird with his roles that he's chosen since then. You know, same with Angus Cloud. He has very edgy appeal to him because of Euphoria. But I will say this. I would say it's a missed opportunity if they don't make Pete Davidson and Bill Skarsgård brothers in these movie, in this mm. movie because, you know, they'll have that they have that bug-eye appeal to them. They're both like tall, <laughs> lanky, a yeah, little bit like of the symbol. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I didn't even think
0: about that. I I wonder, I wonder, because like I said, I don't really remember anything about this book. I don't know if there were any brother characters in this story or not. Mm, I don't
1: know. Bill,
0: Bill Skardgard has acting brothers, obviously, too, with like Alex Skardgard and whatnot. But I guess in terms of age, there's a little bit more separation between the two. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, like in terms, we don't really, from our perspective, we don't know a whole lot in terms of plot because we haven't read the book. I but would this say is, a little
1: bit, maybe a, a platoon or a full metal jacket appeal because of the cast. Because, because it's, it's Vietnam War. So- or-
0: And it's skewing a little bit younger, which like, you know, more movies kind of have a a good mix. I think like, even if you look at Dunkirk, like you're sort of star cast, your leaders are ranging from Mark Rylance to Barry Keoghan, who's like ranging from like 70 to 17, basically at that point. But like, I, I can't think of a whole lot of movies where like, you know the sort of core group of people is actually sort of in that age of what a lot of people in the war are and that is typically younger like even if you look back to like Saving Prior Ryan like I think a lot of those people were meant to be like playing people that were like 18 to 22 but like a lot of those actors were kind of in their mid-20s some of them were pretty established names having worked with Spielberg um I like that this cast you know you're bringing in teenagers like or I don't know if they're really teenagers but they are younger stars and like Ashton Sanders, Moises Arias, Angus Cloud um Ty Sheridan's pretty young as well, and he looks even younger than he is. Uh, Even Bill Skarsgård, who's quote-unquote a veteran, I I think he's still only like in his late 20s or something like that. So this is, you know, a pretty good group, and I'm curious to see how these guys play off each other. Is Hardy going to be the sort of leader, I guess? Um, I I don't really plan on reading the book or doing too much research on it because I'd rather see the book-to-film adaptation, but like, you know, with the creative team with Rupert Sanders behind the camera he doesn't have necessarily the best directing track record does that give you any sort of concern
1: yeah I think that's why I was going to mention the fact that I don't know much about Rupert Sanders's works and the works that I have heard of like Snow White and the Huntsman I don't know what was the other one I think I have his time to be pulled up here but you know i was looking at over like they're not really critically acclaimed movies and movies i haven't gone out of my way to go watch and same with scotty smith like i haven't seen a simple plan you know i stopped watching westworld so i can't really only commentate on the fact that it's like a tight-knit group with these actors and it kind of gives me like a fury appeal like you know with shia labeouf brad pitt uh, i think michael Pena was in that movie i think just the fact that they have this group of individuals you know tom hardy being like the veteran of all the all these individual. He's probably gonna be like the, the leader, the, the sergeant or the general, whatever it is that he's cast as. Um Yeah, it's really exciting. It's really interesting considering, you know, we haven't seen any of these actors work together before and not, not really in the same kind of work that we've seen them in the past. But, you know, I'm a fan of Pete Davidson, fan of Tom Hardy. I love Ashton Sanders. I love Bill Skarsgård. So I'm looking forward to this one just because of the, the cast.
0: Yeah, kind of closing question for you because we, we talked about Pete Davidson so much this year. What What's, and we've talked about his sort of transition from comedic to uh, dramatic acting with obviously starting this year with big time adolescence then having uh, King of Staten Island this feels like it's going to be more of a push towards the actual drama side of it even Mm -hmm. because like Mm -hmm. Suicide Squad from like the trailer and whatnot that looks like pretty strict comedy it seems like it's going to be James Gunn sort of like taking his Guardian universe from the Marvel uh, taking his Guardian movies from the Marvel universe and planting them into the DC uh, universe this feels like a bit more serious of a project. Um, Is that exciting to you I guess? Yeah
1: I think he's just looking for a way to get out of the SNL role that he's in because you know he's mentioned the fact that he's just at this point, just like the the teen guy and on the on the group, and sometimes he doesn't feel as a part of the group as everybody else is. So I think he's just trying to like just test the waters in regards to what roles he can take on in the movie industry, or what else he can do outside of like snl Because of the fact that you know, I think he just feels it's time for him to go from that show, and I think that's why he's trying to like uh, you know extend himself beyond the comedy realm.
0: I respect him a lot for this decision. I'm excited to see where his career goes. It seems like it's headed in a pretty cool direction. So I guess we'll see if it does be successful i I hope it is successful in in all honesty um Mm -hmm, that's really it that's really it for the news portion of this episode (laughs) it was a pretty slow week in news a couple other stories but nothing really worth discussing um so let's just go ahead and get into reviews and we've got a few overlapping reviews we'll close out with mando but uh, we also have a few things that we watched that didn't overlap so sam why don't you start us
1: there well, I have one movie that didn't overlap this weekend. I actually, you know, be, considering the it's like the election week and the hectic nature of what's going on and with, you know, the elections and all that and people counting in Pennsylvania, Nevada, mm-hmm. and Georgia, I decided to go watch um, All in the Fight for Democracy, the biopic about, you know, Stacey Abrams and, like, the... Just voting and the voting history of America and how it came about and how it's viewed now, and you know how you know it's, it's the, the importance of essentially just how it's essential it is to democracy because you know we choose our leaders through the process of voting and you know within America like within like the developed countries of the world and the developed democratic countries of the world, America ranks last in regards to how easy it is for us to vote. And this movie, like, really pinpoints on the difficulties, the history, the importance of it all, because it feels a lot like 13th, like Ava DuVarnay's biopic about, or documentary, I'll keep saying biopic, documentary about the 13th Amendment and how that's shaped America. This talks about, you know, Stacey Abrams' fight for how, you know, her her gubernatorial um, ambitions in Georgia how that came about why she lost and how that shaped her as an individual now and then just getting into how that kind of compounds her story with the with the history of voting and you know it's 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 i think it's essential this is like one of my favorite movies i've seen this year i think it came out this year like it it touches like stuff on the pandemic and you know even with like stuff with trump and all that but you know i would say this i would say that you know stacey abrams is probably one of the most important leaders we have in this country and this movie proves that point, like I, I have my issues with Kamala Harris. I have my issues with Joe Biden, and I would I would have loved for Joe Biden to have chosen Stacey Abrams as, as his running mate. But you know, seeing her and how focused she is on on the boots of the ground efforts to make sure that people of the people of Georgia you know vote go out of their way to vote and register and make sure that everything is in line before they go out to vote and goes to show how important this individual is to the democratic process in america and concerning the fact that the, probably the senate race is going to come down to georgia i you know i'm ecstatic that georgia has somebody like Stacey abrams on their side to make sure that people go out, go out and vote
0: i i kind of want to ask you because like I, I saw a lot of people watching this movie, like, between Letterboxd and Twitter and whatnot in this week, and understandably mm-hmm. so, because of the sort of context of it, the content, of the subject matter, how it relates to what was going on in the world, and, and obviously, yeah, we did vote Donald Trump out of office, which is very exciting, but there's <laughs> a lot of work to be done, mm-hmm. and it seems like this movie was sort of, like, leaning into that sort of direction as to what the potential of that work could, that could be done, and how, like, you know, who are these people and what they can actually do for our country, and what shaped them, like you said, and how that's going to, like, sort Sort of advance what they do um, in 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 today's government and how they could make an impact on the world um, as it stands today. But I am curious because you and I had a, a little bit of back and forth yesterday about like you know the election and, and politics and whether or not we wanted to like after after the election being over. And I know you watched this before the election was over, but like just being inundated with so much of this stimulus, this political stimulus through this entire week, mm-hmm. what, what gave you the energy to actually want to go watch this? Because I felt like. I felt like I, I just didn't want to watch. I, I saw so many people watching and I was like, maybe I'll seek it out, but I was like, I'm just sitting here watching CNN all day. I don't necessarily want to seek this movie out right
1: now. The fact that I saw George's margins for between Biden and Trump be so razor thin is what piqued my curiosity. Like I heard about Stacey Abrams and her advocacy for voting within her own state. And I I was following her gubernatorial race two years ago against the um, Kemp guy, he's, he's an asshole. You see him in the movie. <laughs> I think that's why I wanted to watch this movie because of the fact that, you know, I wanted to have context to why the margin was so razor thin in Georgia. And I knew Stacey Abrams was a huge part of it. I've been seeing her name thrown around a lot because of this movie and because of what's going on with the election. So I just wanted to have, you know, just further the, my education on, the, on like the election process, you know, in the most relevant way possible
0: no that makes complete sense and it feels like it was pretty impactful maybe even sort of because of that external stimulus that we were all taking in through the entire week and maybe even made it even more impactful because it was like we need this now more than ever and Mm -hmm. that's maybe why even hit harder. yes it would have if you had watched it in a different any other random week right
1: right exactly all
0: right cool um i'll go ahead and get into my reviews now and i'll start off with the godfather like we talked about earlier um yeah i read the script we talked about it a few weeks ago francis and the godfather the making of where oscar isaac is going to be playing francis ford coppola and uh jake jollen hall is going to be playing robert evans and i got my hands on that script last weekend so i read through it in about two days i read through it pretty quickly (laughs) and I'll, i'll just say first off that it was an incredible read. It was obviously on the blacklist back in 2015, um, and which is why it was publicly available. While I was able to get access to it after doing some digging around and asking some people, um, I I did get my hands on it and that was pretty exciting. And it does sort of live up to the hype. Um, It feels like a Scorsese movie. um, And I'll say that much, and I think it's fitting. And I feel like the, the script writer probably felt like he wanted this movie to be directed by Scorsese, it really has that feel, and Scorsese's not directing this, but Barry Levinson is, so that's still pretty exciting, um, but, but you know, that, you know, a movie that's sort of shaped in the model of a Scorsese movie is, is usually tends to be pretty good because of the structure of it, and, and the script is really, really great. I don't really want to spoil too much of it, but Sam alluded to the fact that we were talking about, like, casting and whatnot like fan casting a little bit and i just sort of felt compelled to watch the godfather to you know because i had been a while since i had seen it but also i just wanted to you know get a little bit of the sort of fan casting gears in my mind working um and the, the godfather and the godfather 2 are both like in my top 25 movies of all time i, I love both of them but i'd only seen each of them once i'll probably watch god holy
1: shit that's yeah, I, surprising, that's I, love, surprising. I, I love
0: both oh you mean the watching them once part of it or
1: yes yes it, it's because
0: they're three hours long they're, they're three hours long so I just never vote. It's, it's always hard for me to go and sit down and watch a three hour movie again those are the ones that I, I tend not to re-watch makes sense yeah Um. but I mean like it, it's, it's just as good if not better the second time around and and i mean it's it's like a near perfect movie i don't think there's really it's not like a hot take or anything to, to say that this movie is as good as it is um but it did get the sort of gears turning in terms of like and i feel like you know when it comes to somebody the reason my mind went to depp for brando is because their career path sort of lineup i think hardy can kind of nail the look and the feel of brando more than depp could but Depp has the sort of. Uh, Brando was basically loopy on the way out. People didn't trust him as an actor at this point in his career. And, and the Godfather basically made him a reputable star again and, and you know a box office draw but also a reliable actor um, one that was difficult to work with but one that could still bring a performance that was as we saw Oscar winning one of the most legendary performances of all time and I just felt like the meta-ness of having Depp sort of play that role in a similar sort of stage of his career where he's made some bad decisions um, both on screen and off of screen um, I just felt like it would be a perfect fit but yeah I- I'm kind of bummed that that probably won't happen not that it was going to happen in the first place but now I- I'm like sort of putting all my chips on Hardy at this point um, just because I feel like there's nobody else that can really play that role. But like, you know, George Lucas has a pretty significant, I wouldn't say significant, but he's, he's in a lot of scenes of this movie. Um, Al Pacino, I, I feel like with Al Pacino, they have to go the route similar again, like playing the meta card a little bit, go the route of having somebody that's an unknown to play Al Pacino. Cause Al Pacino is more or less an unknown when he was cast as, as Michael Corleone in the Godfather. I, I, it's, You know, I I still haven't quite landed on a lot of people in terms of who I want to play a lot of these roles. But you know, in kind of thinking of it, there's not a whole lot of like big names that come to mind of characters that I'd want, or like actors who I want to see play these characters on screen. And I know I like toss it to you a little bit in sort of our back and forth. Some of these people are not like as well known, like the producers and whatnot. We're not really as familiar with what they look like and who they are, what they feel like. But is there any sort of names that come to mind in terms of like the people that I mentioned or anybody that's associated with The Godfather that you kind of want to? It's
1: like fan casting, yeah. Well, I'll repeat what I said. I think we've talked about a little bit about this in the past. I said Ju Law for Sonny, I thought it would be a good chip pick, and I also said Ben Wishaw because mm-hmm. he looks very eerily similar to George, young George Lucas. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I sent Raj the because Raj asked me, He's like, I maybe, yeah, Ben Wishaw, and it's like, he's, I sent him the picture. He's like, Holy shit,
0: yeah, I didn't even make that <laughs> connection at first, but uh, I think he definitely looks like him. Uh, it's a question of whether you can capture the essence of George Lucas because George Lucas is such like a a geek. Like he seems like a weird strange geeky nerdy guy
1: well he does play q in the uh, that's a good blonde. point that's a good point hey, if <laughs> i guess
0: if you just give q a little bit of the george lucas like i'm not even gonna try to impersonate quirkiness yeah I, that would be interesting actually i do it like was... that i do like that casting choice um,
1: let me ask you real quick then since you read the entire script who has a better chance of be the oscars oscar isaac or jake joan hall
0: so here's the thing the movie oscar isaac is going to be in almost every single scene of this movie francis ford okay. Coppola is the anchor of this script like the whole entire thing is his. he's journey. a title character (laughs) He is the title character. Yeah. Um, that being said, like, (laughs) here's the thing. Do you, do you remember, you remember Jake Gyllenhaal and Velvet Buttsaw, right? Yes, that's kind oh of. Oh my God, that's kind of how Robert Evans is portrayed. Like he like speaks in the third person. He's like he he walks around and he goes up to Francis Ford Coppola and he's like Evans is God. Like that's like quotes that he has in this movie. He says like Evans is God. Evans does this. Evans does that. And he's just he's very strange. He's kind of portrayed as like a goofball. Um, uh-huh. He's portrayed as this sort of producer who thinks he's all that, but isn't really all that. And like there are times where like Coppola and his producers try to like trick Evans into getting Brando in the room and stuff like that like it's a really interesting sort of power dynamic between the actors and and I think a lot of people aren't really familiar with the backstory of the making of The Godfather and how turbulent it actually was like they almost like Pacino was like centimeters away from not being cast in this thing we're like we were this close to having Robert Redford play Michael Corleone and like the sort of back and forth behind that there there's so many different dynamics in terms of the the structure the way this is the script is built and how it portrays um or how it like sort of mirrors i guess the, the actual structure of the godfather the making of the godfather and like the actual plot of the godfather itself on screen mm-hmm. um they're, they're, i don't want to spoil too much of it because this story is so interesting but this script like i was already so excited for this script even more so than like the chinatown one or even um Mank, which is coming out soon about, like, you know, the making of movies. After reading the script, this is, like, this thing is right there at the top of my most anticipated list. Didn't movie.
1: he also play a similar character in Obja? Uh
0: Yes, yes, he did. He played, like, uh. a very goofy, quirky character. This, I mean, this is obviously going to be a little bit more down-to-earth because this is based in reality. <laughs> uh, but Robert Evans has been known to be, you know, both a difficult, very play eccentric, play, but also yeah, very eccentric. And, and I think Jake, Jones, there's no better. Like when I was reading this thing, I was like, yeah, there's nobody else that could play this role other than Hall. Like I could so clearly picture Hall doing this thing that I was like, it's perfect casting. It is literally perfect casting. Um, but yeah, you know, the depth thing, I, I was kind of bummed about that. But you know, if it's best for the world, I guess then that's that's the choice that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, we talked about that script, and I'll say that you should be very excited about this movie because it's it's gonna be it's if it's
1: raving in my dms he's like sam and i haven't read a script like this in a while i haven't laughed laughed as much i read this surprised me
0: i read this script faster than i read trevorrow's uh star wars script so that's how excited i was by this
1: thing the fact that you told me that you were just like laughing about this because of the script is what caught me off guard the most
0: and i sent you i sent you a screenshot and tell me that's (laughs) brilliant tell me that like little like three four lines or whatever <laughs> it was is not hilarious
1: yeah well it depends on how he's executed sure. but we'll see
0: yeah I'm, I'm excited for this movie it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting case study so uh, definitely keep an eye out on more casting news for that one um i don't want to i went very long so i'll try to move quickly i rewatched parasite to celebrate the election um that's how i like to celebrate the election we started the year off with parasite winning we ended the year with Trump losing, so I got to celebrate that win. We, we got
1: rid of a parasite. Yeah,
0: we got rid of a parasite. So, <laughs> I've been itching to rewatch *Parasite*, and it's you know it's as good, if not better, than ever. A um, couple new releases, or a few new releases that I watched. *Let Him Go*. This is the kind of like a *Man of Steel* prequel, not really, but it has Diane Lane and uh, Kevin Costner as this family who live in the country, oh, basically. Wow, weird. Um, yeah, it is weird. Uh, but it's more of like a taut thriller. It actually has Leslie, Leslie Manville as well um, from Phantom Thread who plays the sister to Daniel Day-Lewis's character in that movie. Okay. Um, But it's basically this, this, Mother and father, they lose their son. Um, their daughter-in-law, who is married to the son who died, um, goes and marries this other guy. This other guy is abusing her, and she gets basically taken to his family's home. They move to his family's home, and I believe it's North Dakota. Um, and the and Diane Lane and Kevin Costner basically go after her to protect her, but also to protect their grandson, who is obviously the son or the son of their son who had passed away. Um, and they get sort of embroiled in this very heated back and forth with this kind of menacing family where Leslie Manville is the head. Um, She's chewing up scenery. This movie was actually surprisingly good. I had not really heard a lot about it. I had seen trailers for it and I got like an access code to go to one of those like online press screening things. So I I went ahead and watched it through that. and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it's not like anything special by any means, but it's definitely a good watch. It's a little long, it's closing in on two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have liked it to be maybe 10 minutes shorter or so, but like if you're looking for an effective thriller, I think it's in theaters now and it'll be on demand soon. Um, so solid, solid watch uh and then before we get into our overlapping reviews i also watched the dark and the wicked this is the new brian bertino project which i've been talking a lot about i've been hearing a lot about it um sort of on the festival circuit um i'll just say that brian bertino is one of the best voices in horror working today um he's definitely got some demons because his movies are so dark and so messed up this one is basically about this daughter and son who go to their family's farmhouse. Um, Mother is basically taking care of their sick father, but mother's kind of losing her mind a little bit. They go onto the farm to try to figure out what is going on with the mother and very dark and wicked things happen on this farm um it's really really good it's it's just as good as even sort of hearing I think it's like sitting at like 95 on on Rotten Tomatoes and like 72 or something on Metacritic so it's got really good reviews and it it does live up to the hype um effective jump scares it's very good at sort of building tension and breaking it with a very good jump scare using dark corners and this very isolated house the setting for it um, i highly recommend that if anybody's looking for some good horror watch right now this this is the one that you want to seek out for sure
1: okay um, how does it compare to his other one that came out we saw it earlier this year i, I the think, think the, the monster yeah, the
0: monster yeah the monster, the monster. So i think if i had to rank his three movies strangers is obviously my one i think this is probably a two and then the monster is my number three but all okay. three are great like all three are okay. really really great movies so um i'll say that much but now let's get into our overlapping reviews uh before we get into mando we both saw possessor this week uh this is the brandon cronenberg movie which when did this premiere was it
1: sundance sundance
0: okay so like you know we had been hearing a lot about it we had been hearing those it wild it's crazy it's gory it's explicit um did you watch the uncut version
1: Yes, I saw the uncut version. I, I weirdly enough, I was like looking forward to see where I could watch it at. And like I went to like Amazon Prime and like it said it just it just said possessor. Like didn't say yeah. uncut or anything. Yeah. So I have to like go on my PS4 and my PS4 was advertising the uncut version of it. So I was like, okay, oh, bet i watched watch <laughs> it on my PS4. But All yeah, nice. I got a chance to watch it. All right. What did you think? Um I thought it was a solid movie. I really enjoyed it. You know, really interesting story, really interesting ideas for it. Um it kind of falls off for me a little bit just because of the fact that I feel like the ideas don't reach the full potential. Like there's a there's a there's a grander story here. There's a grander world here, but then it kind of Brandon Cronenberg kind of just like uh does like a does like a U-turn in a sense and kind of focuses on like a slasher thriller because I feel like Andrea Riseborough's character didn't get as much screen time as I wanted it her to. But you know the focus of it is the fact if if you guys don't know about the movie already, it's about um it's kind of like an Inception Mandy kind of thing where these people go into the minds of others and they use like once they're implant, like once they put their consciousness into another individual, they use the individual's body to create like assassinations and they just, get, they get paid for it, but they don't go really too far into the sci-fi aspect of it. They don't go far into like the, the organization that kind of, you know, is in charge of creating these assassinations. It's mostly around the focus of one of the, one of their, you know, best you know assassins being andrea riseborough's character and and her her relationship with the with the technology and how it's kind of affecting her mental capacity to you know do her job and how it's affecting her real life stuff and you know the first half is like really interesting there's like a lot of like um because there's like um like a glitch kind of thing with the water, and it's kind of making you realize that there's like a tech horror that kind of thing. And Brandon Cronenberg does a great job; like he he lives up to his his name say or his name mm-hmm. with uh with uh being David Cronenberg's son with the body horror and all that. Mm-hmm. Like it's like this movie is very bloody, it's very gory, it's very brutal. And there's sequences in this movie. Sean Bean's in this movie. No spoilers, <laughs> but um, there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of solid sequences in this movie. There's like a weird fun dynamics between um, Andrew Riesberg's character and her family. But the focus on this this movie is actually within. Uh, I think his name is Christopher Abbott, uh, who mm-hmm. Andrea Riseborough's character gets into. He, he she, she goes into his mind to do an assassination job, and they have to like battle it out essentially within his own mind. And I think that's why it kind of falls off from because I wanted more of Andrea, and I think her name was tass in the movie. Yeah, and but it kind of like focuses on this guy, his life, how this assassination attempt through his body is kind of affecting him essentially. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like this story I just, i'm gonna say it again like this story is far, it's like a, it's like an isolated incident and a much more grander story but i still think it's a solid movie like you know the cinematographer is uh kareem hussein mm-hmm. who actually worked on hannibal oh, nice. and he does like you know he, he's very consistent with how he, he films gore like these very intense close-ups he does a good job of you know putting putting you at the front and center of what's going on with these brutal scenes and there's some sort of shots to kind of we're kind of evocative of Mr. Robot, where it's like, you know, the characters off center, there's like a behind like a lot of empty space. So that's something I really appreciated about the movie. There's like, you know, solid shots, solid sequences, very interesting story, but it didn't really live up to its full potential.
0: Yeah, I, I'm pretty much on the same page as you actually on this one. Um, I, I love the sort of con- conceit of the thing, the whole idea that it's like you transfer your own mind into somebody else's body and become an assassin that way because mm. you're trying to infiltrate whatever like you know you need to get closer to a situation how do you get closer to a situation you get somebody that's already in on the situation so like andrew riseborough's mind gets planted in christopher abbott's body because he's close enough to the situation whatever pirate power, power dynamic they're trying to get into and i agree with you that the first half is really really good because it sets up that sort of mythology that back world backstory whatever it may be like introducing us to the universe and when it gets into like the sort of deeper extent of the plot i i lost a little bit of interest sort of like you did uh, um it's still very very good throughout um i just wish it had given us a little bit more sort of cohesiveness with andrea riseborough's character a lot of what you were saying so like not, not yeah, a like of
1: like there's there was like most of it with the fact that she's kind of like losing her sense of stealth mm-hmm. and there's like a lot of great sequences like when she's in the mind like these like very weird neon sequences like really the, really like, brilliant directly li- like direction. like the body wax kind of melting into each other and it's like it becomes like this like this, like a I don't know like this kind of flesh monster in a sense within yeah. you know Christopher Abbott's mind his character's mind that stuff was really cool I just wish that we got more of the idea of the story rather than the slasher thriller that we got
0: yeah I agree with you um but I think it's still worth watching no, um, absolutely it, if you can handle gore because it's extremely gory oh, that was that was another yeah. thing that I didn't. Love. <laughs> I, I just think it it was it was too revelatory in the way it sort of tried to like it's zooming in on somebody getting stabbed in the neck or whatever. Like there, there, some of it is okay. It's bearable. And I don't really handle gore all that well. And I could handle some of it, but some of it was just like, it was gorgeous for the sake of gore.
1: The, the, I was going to, I'm actually on the opposite side. I wish that we got more of that intensity, that more of that body horror kind of mm-hmm. stuff, because we got some of that stuff in like the mind of Chris rabbit's character. Mm-hmm. We got some of it in that really intense scene with Sean Bean's character. Mm-hmm. And even at the climax, it kind of gets really Fucked up. <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna ask you how you handle that, but I guess you answered. I didn't. Me. I didn't <laughs> love
0: it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I
1: didn't love it. <laughs> but you know it's a solid movie. It was good. I, I I liked it.
0: Give Andrew riseborough and Christopher Abbott more work because these oh, two are absolutely. incredible and they just don't work enough. Honestly. Um, yeah. Last thing I saw Christopher Abbott in was probably um, "It Comes at Night." If I'm being completely honest, I don't think I've seen him in anything since then. Um, So, yeah, uh, I liked it. Yeah, similar, pretty, pretty similar thoughts to what you said. So not a whole lot.
1: Yeah, we agree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so rare that this happens. Um, And I think we're going to agree on the next thing too. Mandalorian season two, episode two, The Passenger. Um, We'll do the same thing here. A little bit of non-spoiler and then we'll dig into some spoiler thoughts um, and we'll give a warning before that. Um, This might be the worst episode of the series yet um i i completely hated this episode it's just so pointless so stupid spiders like what uh, minor spoiler i guess but not really a spoiler it, it's it, really, it does not it does not play into the plot at all there's this random character who tags along with mando through the entire thing i was extremely let down by this episode
1: i didn't think it was all that bad honestly i was pretty you know it's just it's a side because it's another one of those throwaway episodes where you can like like it, it deals with it, it's not all throwaways like, it deals with the repercussions of one of the episodes in the last season, but you know, I thought like some of the sequences were fun, like him trying to escape that cave that he's in, the the star, the the, the ship fight in the in the air against like the, like, what are they called now? The found the foundation. What are they?
0: Uh, wh- who are you talking about?
1: The 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 X the X wing fighters. Oh, the
0: x I I think they're just part of the um the republic. The republic. Yeah. So
1: the reestablished republic. I think new, new republic. I think the that new republic. It, I think. So the fight between him. His uh, what's it called? The Razor Crest versus the two X y, X-wing fighters was pretty fun to watch. One of this... one of
0: whom is Dave Filoni. If you didn't catch that, too. really? Yeah, one of them. I is didn't. Filoni. No,
1: I didn't catch that. <laughs> Cause I, if he's not wearing his cowboy hat, I can't recognize. I know,
0: right? Traded <laughs> <laughs> in his cowboy hat for an X-wing helmet.
1: But yeah, I think you know, it it is pointless. But I thought some of the stuff about it was fun, like him going into that cave, trying to survive in this really cold, you know, arid area where he's in this planet, whatever it's called, and then just trying to. Um, the sequences with like baby Yoda and the, and the, and the little egg thing is pretty funny. Um, I didn't think it was all that bad. It was all right.
0: Let's, (laughs) let's go ahead and get into spoilers now. So if you haven't seen the episode, tune out and then come back and listen to the end of this, um once you've seen the episode, I, I just felt like uh, the frog lady, like what is going on there? Like, come on. Like, can you have a better character? Like, I understand it sort of plays into the sort of practical effects of what old Star Wars is, but it doesn't feel like old Star Wars at all. It just feels like goofy. And people got so mad about The Last Jedi because of this quote unquote humor of it all. And this movie is like even worse in terms of how it tries to play into that. Like, it, it's episode- not funny. It's not interesting. Yeah, sorry, this episode. <laughs> um, and, and it's a bummer also because Peyton Reed directed this episode. He's obviously the director of the Ant-Man movies. Like to see that, That sort of dichotomy and how that how it didn't work as well um with him you know he's obviously with the disney family but like having him behind the camera and the comedy not working um it just this episode like did absolutely nothing for me i was just like when is this going to be over
1: well one thing we can probably look forward to is the fact that you know last season it was like back and forth it was like you know Narrative story, side story, narrative story, side story. Like it was a pattern within like the last three episodes, were like all narrative. This first season just starts off with just straight up like side quests. So I'm hoping that they're saving like the big narrative stuff for like the latter half of the season.
0: And I guess like sort of to add on to that point, episode three last season was also one of the best episodes of the series um so far. That was the one where he steals the child, um mm-hmm. back from um what's what's his name um. I forgot his name, but he, he when he goes <laughs> to drop the child off and he steals him, um, mm-hmm. that that was one of the best episodes of the series. So I hope that episode three here is is sort of following that same um, mold. But like, I mean, to to start off to season two with two not great episodes especially after you have the tease of Boba Fett at the, la- at the end of the last one like you've really got to get me on board and it's like I'm not saying that in the sense that, like I'm going to stop watching because it's Star Wars I'm obviously going to watch it. it's live action Star <laughs> Wars but I'm just like I-, I wish I was more enamored with this thing because my excitement going into this you know a Disney plus Star Wars live action series following a Mandalorian it's an action series like I should be buying into this 100% and I this season I- I'm 0 for 2 on it.
1: I told you the fact that they're sh- filming so close together with season one and season two leans you or tells you the fact that they're gonna continue with the same formula. So the question now is, um, I don't know if our opinions are popular in regards to these side stories, these episodic um, parts of the story. But if there's enough clamor, do you think they're going to kind of realign and just focus on the narrative for season three?
0: No, because people on like Twitter and stuff seem to be saying that these episodes are better than the last season. I'm just like, what are you guys watching? Like, uh,
1: I think they're just deprived of Star Wars, I guess. They,
0: they must be. I just feel like they're going to, you know, go crazy for whatever they get. And that's disappointing because like, I feel like the series, the potential of this series is so high and it's like not even scratching the surface of what.
1: It yeah, could this could, they, they could be focusing these first two episodes on um, what's his name? Did you call Callis character, uh, Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon and his quest of trying to find Mando, while he's trying to find the remnants of the Jedi Order. I that could, mo- that could be the focus of the story. Like, there's enough there for them to have. Eight, eight, eight one-hour episodes, and it'd be enticing for everybody to watch.
0: I'd much rather have that story stretched out over eight episodes, too, as opposed to having it crammed into two or three episodes. Like, I'd much rather get an entire episode of Moff Gideon understanding his backstory and then get, an, uh, get, like, go Right, right, exactly. Episode. It's like there's, okay, so- like,
1: there's there's So you could probably split it into three segments. It's like Moff Gideon's story, Mando's story, and Ahsoka's story.
0: Yeah, you exactly. Just, you exactly. can just have
1: all of that and, you know, a really great season. But instead, we're getting these side quests for, you know, me and you both being big fans of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Don't really have an attachment to these episodes.
0: Yeah. And, and I feel like they're trying to cater to a certain type of like old school Star Wars fan. And I get that. I understand why some of this stuff will certainly appeal. Cater you know, or pander? Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> for, I, I think it's more on the cater side. But I think i feel like certain hardcore fans are interpreting it as like this is exactly what we wanted it's just like you know i understand that if this is what you wanted this is what you wanted but do it's... you think
1: it could be like damage control because of how people perceive the a sequel trilogy no
0: i don't think so because i think force awakens and the last jedi were more positive than negative i think rise of skywalker was the only one that was more negative than positive and mando okay. was in production the season one of Mando was in production before rise of skywalker came out and season two of mando i think was in production like well rise of skywalker was still in theater so so I don't think that's the case.
1: Well, one big thing is the fact that we got a Star Wars reunion this week. We had a Oscar Isaac post a, a screenshot of him. In, <laughs> well, not Oscar Isaac, but Pedro Pascal post a screenshot yeah. of, of him and Oscar Isaac facetiming together. So well, that's something that's fun. Just bring Oscar Isaac into the show. Bring Poe. Bring Poe Dameron into the show. What was it? What was that movie they were in together? Triple Frontier,
0: right? That was. Yes. Ben Affleck. That ben
1: Affleck yeah. Because
0: okay, I was like, these guys are friends, but how are they friends? Like, what's their deal
1: Cause, here? Because they're both Latino and. Hollywood. <laughs> I, didn't,
0: I didn't want to stereotype but I, hey, I'll, I'll say it. There's, like this, <laughs>
1: there's the same five latinos i see in movies these days it's um it's it's benicio del toro mm-hmm. um oscar isaac pedro pascal um uh, blanking on his name he was in guardians of the galaxies like when he was in also in um javier bardem and michael peña those five okay. guys are the same guys i see all the time yeah so i i think they have true. a group chat together probably
0: <laughs> I, I mean all you know i would watch a Movie of those five guys being like a family. I know they're all from different parts of like you know. What, Hold on, have
1: you ever done? Wasn't it wasn't a Marvel? It was. Benicio. I think you. I
0: think you're thinking of Benicio, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, I would watch a movie of those five guys being family, like you know, father, sons, uncles, brothers. Throw <laughs> Throw
1: Diego Luna in there too.
0: Throw Diego Luna. Yeah, he was in. Scar- <laughs> he was. He was in the running for Scarface, wasn't he? And he. He's <laughs> he in Star Wars. He, he's yeah, in Star Wars. he was.
1: He was a. Uh, what's
0: his name? In um Cassian Andor. Cassian Andor.
1: We're actually getting a show about about him.
0: I Are would we? not, I wouldn't, oh and Benicio Del Toro was also in Star Wars, um, not a great character but you know, oh, one, yeah. one of the sort of downsides of Last Jedi if you, if you, you know, if you made Benicio Del Toro like a Sith Lord or something, that would have been, so, the potential there would have been so much more than whatever we got like whatever Master Codebreaker or whatever he was All we're missing is Michael Pena Yeah, right. I, I feel like he's probably like a massive Star Wars fan too. he just strikes me as the kind of person that'd be a really big Bring Star
1: Michael Pena's Ant-Man character because he has that relationship with Peyton Reed so just bring oh, his yeah, Pe- just, Ant-Man character into the just, Star Wars universe Just
0: have him do the narration for all these <laughs> bad <laughs> Mandalorian <laughs> episodes. I would watch that. I would watch that for days. Um, but uh, I guess,
1: you know, uh, it's. It, it, I wouldn't say this is like one of the worst ones. I had mm-hmm. fun with it. Okay. But, you know, I'm hoping see episode three is like a narrative focused
0: i do too I, I did not have fun with this unfortunately I, I really did not like this episode um yeah i hope i hope we're on the upswing now with episode three but i guess we'll just have to wait and how see many that.
1: episodes is it this eight, it's still another eight. i think i think it's going to be eight
0: but i don't have confirmation on that If I'm being okay honest. yeah um okay that'll close things out for this episode here thanks for joining us um sam let people know where they can find you online
1: You can find me on my Twitter at SamZeroSo and on my Instagram at SamLosorio, O-S-O-R-I-O.
0: Find me at Rodside 236 Always please be sure to check out the episode notes on resources, uh, for resources on Black Lives Matter. Also be sure to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friend, family, everybody that you know. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, all the other popular platforms. And uh, we'll be back later in the week with some more content for you. So